0: If you have your Bibles, let's open them, please, to the book of Psalms. It starts with P.S. Psalms. Kind of sounds like God's written us a letter and then he says P.S. Isn't that good? Psalms. We're going to look at chapter number one. Uh, on January 1st, I read Psalms 1 and I just couldn't get away from it. It is just so rich and so wealthy and so full and helpful. And I just felt like we needed to. Uh, Talk about this. Psalms chapter one, and uh, I'll read out loud the first three verses. If you could just follow along with me. If you have a cell phone, if you'd be so kind to turn that off. Some of you need to just find it, and that would take about 20 minutes. Just find it. Uh, You've heard of the bottomless pit in the Bible? That's a woman's purse. And so, about uh, 20 minutes later, we'll find that phone. And so, if we can get that off, that'd be a blessing. By the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season, his leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. That's a pretty good promise right there. Whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Same word as success. So the book of Psalms opens up with one special word, blessed. That's the first word of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, blessed. uh, We don't use that word much today. Sometimes you may see a family picture and under under it, it says blessed. We don't use the word a lot, but we would use its definition, which is happy. So Jesus is saying here in the book of Psalms, happy is the man and then he gives the criteria. So he's trying to get our attention. He's saying, you're starting the new year. Would you like to be happy? I don't know how many people I've talked to. They said, all I want to be is just happy. I don't have to be rich. I don't have to own everything. I just want to have a happy life. So I could call this a psalm to help you go forward, our theme. Or we could call it how to have a happy new year. So it opens with this one word. When you're blessed or happy, you smile more, you sing more, your home is more pleasant. You're a pleasant person to be around. We could call this how to get God's blessings upon your life. It's a very simple chapter. There's two commands and then there's one promise. In other words, God says, if you do this and this, I'll do this. And that's how God is. God always keeps his promises and it's his reward. So we already prayed. So here's the message. We'll just get with it. We see in the first verse, it deals with people. That's where the blessing starts with. He says, blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. What he's saying here is your crowd. You have the wrong crowd, you're not going to have a happy life. You have the right crowd, you're going to have a happy life. And you'll see here, he says, it starts like this. Walketh in the counsel of the ungodly. The word counsel means someone telling you what to do. So we've got to decide who's going to tell us what to do. Uh, every one of us has somebody telling us what to do. You say, no, I'm going to join the Marines. Okay, good. And, and so, uh, now I'm going to get married. Well, someone's going to tell you what... Uh, you never get to... You're going to listen to somebody. So it says you're walking. And then it says you're standing. Then it says you're sitting. You see the progress slowing down? First you're walking. Now you're just standing. Now you're seated. Your crowd will help you go forward in your Christian life or it'll stop you in your tracks. It's the crowd. It's the crowd. It's the people. There's a word that separates all characters in the Bible and Christians today. If you cannot pronounce this word or say it, you're doomed for failure. Its common appearance is seen throughout the scriptures. Teenagers are divided into two categories. Those who can pronounce this word and those who cannot. The word is no. And if you're going to have the right crowd in 2024, you're going to have to uh, learn the no word. In Psalms it says, Blessed is the man that walketh not. Let me spell it for you. N-O T. And then it says nor that's N-O-R. Standeth in the way of sinners. In Proverbs 1.10, consent thou not. N-O-T. He's saying, you're going to have to learn the word no. No, I'm not going to do that. If you cannot say no, you will not succeed in any area of your life. It's the most important word a young Christian can learn. You can pronounce it differently. No, nope, naw. No, Uh Uh-uh. You can just shake your head. You can shake your finger. Either way you want to pronounce it. The prophet that preached in a wicked day in the book of Genesis. Guess what his name was? Noah. Isn't that interesting what God had him named? Uh, Job's wife said, why don't you curse God and die? And Job said, no. Nehemiah lived in the plain called Ono. See, it just saturates the Bible. If you'd be a Bible student... Joseph was said, come here, by Potiphar's wife, and he said, no. His brothers did evil, and Joseph said, no. Uh, Moses said, no, to the pleasures of sin for a season. Mordecai said, no, to bowing to wicked Naaman. Samuel said, no, while the preacher's kids, Hophna and Phinehas, said yes to, to uh, wickedness. When the tempter came to Jesus three different times, he said, no. In the book of Acts, the disciples were told, you cannot preach in Jesus' name anymore. And they said, no. I love that old song, say no. When the sun goes down, say no. When no one's around, say no. Satan hates that sound, say no. Say no to the cigarette, say no. To the simple bet, say no. You won't have any regret, say no. That'll be out on my new CD, uh, coming out, and uh, probably I ought not quit my day job either. In Arabic, it's la. In Belarus, it's nay. Chinese, it's boo. In Czech, it's nay. In Spanish, it's no. In Tagalog, it's Hindi. In Dutch, it's me. In French, non. Georgian, it's ara. In German, it's nine. In Swahili, it's hapang. In Sabuano, it's Dili. In Hebrew, it's Lo. In Irish, it's Ni. In Persian, it's Na. In Romanian, it's Nu. In English, it's No. You got to learn to say no. It's the crowd. Say no to idolatry, anything before God, and taking God's name in vain. Say no this year to cursing, dirty jokes, shady text, pornography, dirty TV shows and videos, deceiving and lying to parents, Say no this year to smart aleck, uh, attitude and backtalk and disobedience. Say no to adultery, fornication, immorality, and lust. Say no to immodest clothing and form-fitting and low-cut and revealing clothing. Say no to texting uh, 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 during church and sexting and lying about people and lying to God when we sing or at the altar our broken vows. Say no to drugs that are illegal. Say no to misuse of prescriptions. Say no to cigarettes. Say no to pot and anything else that hurts your body. Say no to internal sins of bitterness and envy and lust and jealousy and gossip and a a phone addiction. Say no to crude words, and cheating, in school, and stealing, and bullying, and smashing, and grabbing, and laziness. Say no to the wrong crowd, and the lottery, and gambling. Say no to chat rooms with people you've never met, and gangs, and prejudice, and pride, and complaining. Say no to being on social media more than spending time with the Lord. Say no to not tithing, and missing church, and prayerlessness, and no Bible, and excuses. I want all the teenagers as loud as you can. Ready? One, two, three. Let's say no. One, two, three. No. Well, no wonder they're not doing very good. I want all the ladies. One, two, three. All the ladies. Ready? One, two, three. No. I knew it. Wow. All the men. One, two, three. No. All the Christians. One, two, three. No. All the heathen. One, two, three. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I was at a team conference years ago and the host, Jerry Pertel, he was all caught up. We were back and forth bantering. I said, all the unsaved people. And he said, no. And it was him. Aaron couldn't say it to the people and he made a golden calf. Ahab couldn't say it to Jezebel. Adam and Eve couldn't say it to the serpent. Achan couldn't say it to the gold. Nathan looked at David and said no. John the Baptist pointed to Herod and said no. Elijah looked at wicked King Ahab and said no. And we could go on and on. You see successful people or people that could look at the wrong crowd and say, no, not gonna do that. We're not going there. We're not talking that way. Not gonna say that. Not gonna do that. No. You want a blessed life? It all starts with your crowd. Who is your crowd? And sometimes it's not just who you hang with in person. It could be who you listen to in music. They're influencing you. They're pouring their life into you. You cannot spend eight hours with a wicked, vile person, listen to them sing to you and not be affected. Who's your crowd in music? Who's your crowd on television? Who's your crowd on social media? Who's your crowd when you're gaming and you're playing games and video games with others? Who are those people? God says, ungodly, that means they're not like God. Outward sinning, they've chosen a lifestyle of sin. And then he said, scornful, that means they laugh about sin. That's what the sitcoms are on television. They're trying to get us to laugh at the drunk. Laugh at the immoral person. Laugh at the a person who claims to be gay. Laugh at this person who's rebellious to their parents. Laugh at the preacher. Laugh at. They're trying to get us to mock and think sin is funny, and it's not. The end of sin is always death. Death to reputation, death to a life, death to answered prayers, death in hell. It's, it's a terrible thing. So that's one principle, the people. Here's the other principle, your priority. What is to be our priority? Notice what he says in verse two, but his delight, here's who he delights in, not the crowd, his delight is in the law of the Lord. That's his book right here. And in his law doth he meditate day and night. His priority, sing them over again to me, wonderful words of life. Let me more of their beauty see, wonderful words of life, words of life and beauty. Teach me faith and duty. These are the words you want to be meditating in in 2024. Read it, sing it, share it, memorize it, post it, preach it, live it. This book will affect your look. If you look in the mirror and don't like what you see, spend a little bit more time in this book, it'll change your countenance. It'll take a few wrinkles off your face. You'll say, wait, way, way. Well, a little Monet plus this. Someone said, Pastor, are you on Facebook? No, I just try to keep my face in this book. That's what I need. My relationship with this book, when I was a little child, I was curious. Where's that shortest verse in the Bible? Jesus wept. What's the longest verse in the Bible? Here it is. How many chapters in the Bible? Oh, there it is. I was just curious. And then I, not only another seat, then I carried it to church. Never used it. But as a kid, i just bring it to church. We had to bring it to church. Then when I got home, it went right there on that shelf till the next Sunday. Then I picked it up the next Sunday. Had to have my Bible at church. Then when I became a teenager... I started consuming this book. I got an appetite. I got hooked on the book. And I couldn't go a day without reading it. Why? It was my food. It was giving me spiritual strength. I was trying to win my friends to Christ. I was trying to live right. I had to have this book right here. What a book. A little boy invited his friend over to the house. And he saw his grandmother sitting down reading her Bible. And his friend had never seen that before. He said, hey, what's your your grandma doing? And the little grandson didn't know what to say. He said, I think she's cramming for finals. (laughs) Pastor, what are we doing? We're cramming for finals. You're going to see the one who wrote this book one day. You're going to see him face to face. Someone said if the Bible could turn into a person, it would turn into Jesus Christ. If Jesus could turn into a book, he would turn into the Bible. He is called the living word. It's water. It's meat. It's milk. It's honey. It's fire for a cold heart. It's light to guide our path. It will keep us from sin, or sin will keep us from it. It'll give you joy. It'll give you strength. It'll give you wisdom. It'll give you comfort. It's this book right here. I am told that when a mongoose, and you see them all the time, I know you see them all over Napa, <clears throat> but I am told that when that little weasel looking mongoose gets bit by a cobra, There's certain leaves that the mongoose knows by, uh, not tradition, by by nature to eat. And they're anti-venom leaves. And he can eat those leaves and it'll keep him from dying and he'll go back and attack the cobra again. Well, I found out just living on planet Earth, we get bit pretty hard by sin and by the devil and by temptations and by hurt and disappointment. We get bit all the time. And if you're going to make it this year, you're going to have to start eating the leaves in this book right here. It's these leaves that have healing power that can remove that poison and give you strength and help you survive and get through the tough times of life and the valleys. It's these leaves right here. There's healing in these leaves. It's a love letter from God. This book is not rules. Well, man, you go to church, all you hear is these rules. You can't do that, can't do that. You know, there's and I love this book. It says you can go to heaven. You can know it. God loves you. It's a relationship with a person. It's not a book of rules. Jesus said, if you'll be ashamed of me and my words, I'll be ashamed of you. I remember going to high school, at high in the 10th grade. I shared this in the well ministry the other night. I told the Lord, I said, no longer will I be ashamed of you. We had 2,000 students in our public high school. I said, I'm carrying your book on top of my books to every class this year. If you want to be popular in your high school, do that. The first five minutes, the whole school will know who you are. Hey, who's that nut with the Bible? Who is that? I'm walking down the hall. I'm hearing Billy Graham is here. The Pope is Jesus. I mean, I'm just walking down the hall. I got this Bible in my hand. And it took all the courage I had to carry that. And I remember a football player came up and said, you sissy, you're carrying a Bible to class, you sissy. I said, really? I said, here, you carry it to your next class. Okay, moving right along. Don't be ashamed of the book. If you bring it to the office, don't be ashamed. If you bring it to school, don't be ashamed. If you put it in your vehicle at work, don't be ashamed. This book is the greatest book that's ever been written. Job said, I love the Bible more than I love food. Must not have been a man. David said, I love the Bible more than sleep. Jeremiah said, it was like a fire in my bones. King Josiah, the young king, Shaphan was cleaning out the temple. They hadn't found the Bible in years and they came across this book and he said, we have found a book And King Josiah saw it. He said, I have found the book. It's not a book. It is the book, the book of books. It's a library in itself. It's so powerful. When God spoke his verbal out uh, out loud words, the universe was formed. It's power in this book. We are saved because of the word of God. He says, so then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. As we hear God's word, God gives us faith to believe Jesus was God. He uh, lived a perfect life, uh, uh, died for our sins, was buried, rose again. God gives us faith to believe that. That doesn't come natural. God gives us that when we hear this book right here. Jesus knew it and quoted it. He opened the scroll, turned to the place, and read it. The word was reading the word. Oftentimes he looked at the religious uh, Pharisees and he said, Have you not read? Don't you read your Bible? Don't you know where this verse is? He was kind of showing them up publicly. Have you not read? So, Pastor, has anyone ever read the whole Bible, cover to cover and lift? <laughs> Take you 72 hours. If you had three monster drinks, you could finish in three days, non-stop. It's a living book. Hebrews 4, the Bible says, but the word of God is quick. It doesn't mean fast. That word quick means alive. It's something different about this book. You can carry a Harry Potter book through the mall with you. No one will look. You can carry a witchcraft book, a UFO book, political book. No one will look. You carry a Bible and everyone stops. Hey, what's going on here? Hey, why do you have that in your hand? It's kind of making us nervous. I remember I was in the governor's office years ago. not Not the guy in California, but a different one in Louisiana. Brother Buchanan, the pastor, went to meet with him and tell him, we don't want such and such taught in our schools. He's just making a statement, had an appointment. I got to go. I'm in the governor's office The governor says, well, you know, all the schools are teaching. Brother Buchanan put the Bible down. Tell me that God wants that taught. Well, and then Brother Buchanan just pushed the Bible closer to him. And when he did it, I kid you not, the governor backed up. (laughs) And he said, well, you know, all the schools and Brother Buchanan just pushed it again. And he backed up even more. Why? That book's a lie. It's something about this book. Mark Twain said, it's not the parts of the Bible I don't understand that bother me. It's the parts I do understand that bother me. Sometimes people ask, Pastor, are they searching for the missing books of the Bible? I got trouble enough trying to live the 66 books that's already in the Bible, much less look for something new. Our nation was founded upon it. It is said it's impossible to enslave a Bible-reading people. It sets you free from addictions. Ye should know the truth. The truth will set you free. Our presidents have been sworn in by it. We're commanded to preach the word. Thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against thee. It keeps us from sin. It brings us hope. I love the story where uh, it's Ezekiel. He, he is told to go to this valley and it's just bones. Uh, many many battles had taken place, so just piles of dead bones. And God looked at him and said, can these bones live? And Jeremiah, uh, excuse me, Ezekiel said, thou knowest, Lord. And God says, prophesy. Preach my word to these bones. Now, I've preached in some dead churches, but that would be a challenge to do that. He said, okay, Lord, I'll preach to these bones. And he started to preach God's word. And the Bible said there came a rattling together of the bones. The bones started moving. You remember the old song? Hip bone connected to the thigh bone, thigh bone. Anyway, the bones started rattling and coming together. They stood up. There was a mighty army. How come? There's power in this book. It gives hope. Hopeless situation. This book gives us hope. We're about out of time. It's powerful. Jonah went to Nineveh. He preached one sentence from the Bible. And the entire city of 600,000 people repented and gave their hearts to God. One sentence. This book is potent. You cannot have real life. Man cannot live by bread alone, but by every word out of the mouth of God. A quick story, and then we'll give you the last point. We had a book in our bookstore. It's called The Heavenly Man. We're sold out, so don't trampede back there to buy it. I couldn't believe it. I'm reading this book, and I'm thinking, you know, this took place, what, in the 1600s, 1700s? It's a man by the name of Brother Hune, And he's a rice farmer. He's in communist China. And he's plowing. And somehow he heard that God wrote a book. He had never seen one, but he heard someone, told someone, told someone, God wrote a book years ago. And Hume just looked up and said, if you're real, and if you really wrote a book, I wish I could see one before I die. That's all he said. Within weeks, He's in his little hut there in China. True story. He hears a little knock on his hut. Two men. Is Huynh here? I'm him. We were told to deliver this box. They brought in a box. And they left. Huynh opened the box. It was a Chinese Bible. He didn't know who those people were. Never saw him again. How they heard his thoughts. He began reading it. Consuming it. In 30 days he had memorized the book of Matthew. He had memorized half the book of Acts. And he had accepted Christ as his savior. Soon area villages were asking, We heard you have a copy of God's book. Can you come preach to us? He said, I'm not a preacher. I just read it. They said, well come and recite it to us. Soon villages were being saved. How come? God's word changes lives. Number one, the people. Number two, the priority. Folks, this book's got to be a priority this year. Can't be something you pick up and just bring to church. It's got to be a daily part of your life. You read it till something speaks to your heart. You read it till God is doing something in your heart. And then last, then here's the promise. God says, and ye shall be like a tree, Planted. We have several trees in our backyard. They're planted. I mean, there's like bark. There's a trunk. They're not going anywhere. At the end of this week, I look in the backyard and they'll still be there. They're planted. God says, you'll have security. You pick the right crowd. You spend time in this book and you're going to have security. You'll be planted. You'll be planted in your marriage. You'll be planted in what you believe. You'll be planted in this church. You'll be planted. Not only that, he says, and ye shall bring forth fruit. A tree that's healthy brings forth fruit. That's why our avocado tree is not given any avocado. Anyway, so what kind of fruit is God talking about? He's talking about the fruit of our lips giving praise to God. Right crowd, right priority, the Bible, our words are going to be bragging on God. Second, we'll be full of the fruit of the Spirit. That's love, joy, peace, gentleness, kindness, self-control, so forth, so forth, so forth. God's fruit, what God is like, will naturally come out of our life. You don't work at patience. You don't work at peace. It comes natural. And then last, there'll be souls. He that winneth souls is wise, the fruit of the righteous is a tree of life. And he that winneth souls is wise. And that's why Jesus came, to save that which was lost. If you're here today and you do not know Jesus Christ as your Savior, if you're not 100% sure you're going to heaven when you die, start the year right. Leave this building knowing he's mine. I've accepted him by faith as a gift. And he'll save you and you'll be glad that you did. So my question, here's the invitation. Want to be happy? It's all up to you. You can't blame your misery on anybody else at the end of this year. Well, this person, they let me down. My my wife, my mother-in-law. By the way, my mother-in-law was here for three weeks. And I'm smiling. Why? She's not here now. Whoa! Cut that off the internet. (laughs) She's not watching anyway. God says, you want to be happy? Right crowd. Right book. Then he promises. I'm going to give you souls. I'm going to give you something positive. Then he says, and your leaves shall not wither. You'll be an evergreen. We have two types of plants on the church property. We got those that are not evergreen. They they look dead right now. They're not very attractive. They look dead. Then we've got evergreens. They're always green leaves. You know what that is? That's joy. It's, It's that joy that attracts others. It's what others don't have. There it is. Put God to the test this year. He'll keep his promise. He sure will.